We have a special guest speaker today with us, Pastor Lloyd Kim. Pastor Lloyd was elected as coordinator of Mission to the World by the 2015 General Assembly. Him and his wife served as missionaries with MTW beginning in 2004 in the Philippines and then in Cambodia where they initiated a new church planting work which grew to a team of 20 working in multiple sites. They have three children, Kaylin, Christian, and Katie. And he's a close friend of Christ Central and of Pastor Harold. And so Christ Central at this time, would you join me in welcoming up our guest speaker this morning, Pastor Lloyd Kim. Good morning. I just want to say on behalf of Mission to the World, just a, a heartfelt thank you for your many years of partnership with us in seeking the gospel of the kingdom to advance across the world. It's a joy for me to be here with you and to open up God's word. If you have your Bibles, could I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, as we give attention to the reading of God's very own word. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's God's word. Father, help us to reflect on these words. Help us to receive them. Help them change our lives and hearts. Help me to speak your message for us today, in Jesus' name, amen. We had the privilege of serving as missionaries in Cambodia for several years, and when we had first arrived, I met many young Cambodian non-Christians, and I would ask them this question, what are your dreams for your life? And almost to a person, they would answer invariably in the same way. They would say, well, my dream is to have a good job, a nice house, and a good family. And then I would meet young Cambodian Christians, and I would ask them this same question. Can you guess how they answered? They said, my dream is to have a good job, a nice house, and a good family. They answered the exact same way. I wonder how we would answer that question this morning. I think for many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if you examine our lives and someone says, what are you living for? It would be probably for these very same things. And there's nothing wrong with having a, the dream job, having that beautiful house here in Southern California, with having this very well-adjusted kids in this perfect family. Nothing wrong with that. They're all gifts and blessings of God, certainly. 
But my question for us today is, is that all we could hope for in this life? You see, if we're not challenged, I think we'll naturally gravitate toward what the world is selling us. And what is the world selling us? The world is selling us the American dream, a comfortable life. Well, today, this morning, Jesus, he challenges us. He challenges us to reimagine what our dreams for our lives are, for our future. And he presents to us this vision of the kingdom of God. And he invites us to join him in his kingdom mission. And so today we're going to be asking some pretty important questions for our lives as we reflect first on Jesus' kingdom vision, what he wants to see, his kingdom mission, what he calls us to do, and his kingdom power. So let's begin. Where do we begin then as we think about this alternative dream, this alternative view for our lives? We begin with an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Verse 3 tells us, after his suffering and death, Jesus presented himself alive. You see, the resurrection changes everything. And for 40 days, Jesus met with his disciples, showed himself alive to his... And what was he talking to them about during those 40 days? The passage tells us he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. You know, if all there is in life is this life, it makes perfect sense to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if the resurrection is real, the resurrection's true, then everything changes. It, it means there's life after death. It means there's a kingdom that will last forever. It means that our time here is just a blip when we compare it to what comes next. And so why should we settle then for this American dream, when Jesus presents to us this picture of life in and for the kingdom of God. And he shows us what life in the kingdom will be like, how he shows us himself, the resurrected Jesus, all those who belong to this kingdom, his kingdom, well, will be like Jesus. We will be raised from the dead, never to die again. We'll live without corruption. We'll, we'll live without sickness. You have people in your lives who are sick, who are suffering. No more sickness. <clears throat> we'll live without fear of judgment, the wrath of God. We'll live without sin. This is what we're created for. Life in and for the kingdom of God. It's where we find our satisfaction and joy. When the pandemic started in 2020, we thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be really bad for missions, right? All of a sudden, the world got a lot scarier. Who in their right mind would pursue global missions during a global pandemic? But as we continued to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest field, as we continued to pray that God would send at least 1% of his adult members, we saw more and more missionary applications coming into our inbox. And when I asked our candidate, what's going on here? Now, this is, this is kind of strange. He said, it's not like it was in 2008 during the Great Recession. No, this, 
This is different. People, as he's interviewing people who wanted to be missionaries, he was saying people were sitting in their offices or locked down at home asking themselves this simple question. Do I want to continue to do what I'm doing now for the rest of my life? Or is God calling me to something else? Maybe you've asked yourself this very question these past few years. And so today we're presented with an alternative dream to the American dream. Maybe you're wondering, so how then do we begin to live more intentionally for this kingdom? Well, the prerequisite to pursuing this kingdom vision is having an authentic relationship with Jesus. See, if you don't know him, if we've not been radically changed by his gospel, we have no hope for life in his kingdom. In fact, without an ongoing, vibrant relationship with Jesus, we will inevitably slip back into what the world is selling us. So can I ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Is he your life? Is he your first love? Is he your all? It's not enough simply to grow up in the church. It's not enough simply to know the right answers. There's something different between knowing about Jesus, right, and knowing Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the one who's looking upon us even now as we sit here, and he sees us for who we are. He sees our ugliness. He sees our selfishness. He sees our pride, our lust. He sees our sins, and he still loves us. In fact, he loves us so much, he gave his, his, his life for us, that we would be delivered from the wrath of God that we deserve, the judgment of God. And it's this Jesus that God raised from the dead and made him Lord over all of creation. And this Jesus, he invites us to know him, to love him, to serve him, and to worship him. You see, the more that we know Jesus, the more that we are known by Jesus, the more eager we are to align our dreams and our ambitions to his kingdom vision. This leads to the second point. The second point is simply understanding Jesus' kingdom mission, what he's calling us to do. If you think about it, Jesus' disciples didn't struggle with wanting a comfortable life. That wasn't their problem. In fact, they were sold out for the kingdom. They left their families, they left their jobs, they left their homes to follow Jesus. But they had a problem. Their problem was that they didn't quite understand the nature and scope of Jesus' kingdom. After seeing Jesus, what did they ask him? They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Who was asking this question? Israelites. So in essence, they were saying, God, when are you going to give us back our kingdom? They were thinking so much about themselves. They couldn't imagine God's plans and purposes for the world. How about us? 
Are we so focused on ourselves? Are we so focused on our people, on our, our problems that we forget about God's purposes for the world? What does Jesus say? He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's turning our attention away from ourselves toward his kingdom mission. And he expands our understanding of his kingdom by describing it as, as where we are now, but extending to the ends of the earth because the very plan and purpose of God is to fill his world, his creation with his glory and his dominion. That's why he tells us to pray for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I think it's easy for us to see our Christian life as an individual thing. And yes, of course, our, our faith needs to be personal. We need to own our faith. But I think we only see it as personal, as individual. But you see, God's plan is much bigger than our individual salvation. His purpose is for his kingdom to stretch to every inch of his creation. And, and here in this short passage, we see how he's going to accomplish this plan. It's through his disciples. It's through us. It's it's by his disciples, it's by us receiving this amazing grace of Jesus, this amazing gospel, life-transforming gospel, letting it saturate our hearts and simply telling others about him, making disciples who in turn make other disciples in, in other places until the world is full of those who bow the knee to King Jesus. We live in Atlanta now, and I was driving from Atlanta to Tennessee on the side of the road as I was driving on the highway, there was this big billboard, and it said, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I thought, oh my gosh, only in the American South do we see signs like this. But as I drove closer, I saw in small print, even the Democrats, and there was a devil's pitchfork right next to it, to which I thought, oh my gosh, only in the American South do we see signs like this? It's true though, isn't it? One day, every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here in our passage, Jesus says we get to participate in his kingdom mission as we bear witness that our king is alive and that he freely offers salvation to all who call upon his name. Do you realize that over 40% of the global population, we're talking 3 billion people, live in a context where there's less than 2% evangelical Christians. We call these unreached people groups. If you think about it, most people are born, live their whole life, and die without ever knowing a Christian. Famous missions mobilizer Oswald J. Smith is quoted as saying, we talk about the second coming. Half of the world hasn't heard of the first. And less than 1% of all full-time Christian workers, 
pastors, missionaries, evangelists are serving in these unreached, less than 1% are serving these unreached places. That's a huge imbalance, beloved. We need our most fruitful, our, our most humble local missionaries and evangelists to serve in those places where there is little to no gospel witness. It's not the same as when those from unreached people groups come here to the United States. Why? Because once they come here, guess what? They have access. They have access to resources, to churches, to you, to disciple makers, but those in unreached places have no access at all. Maybe you, like me, are overwhelmed by these statistics. Maybe you feel the weight and the gravity of the task before us and you think it's impossible. Even if we were to pursue global missions, who in their right mind would volunteer to go and leave their friends and family? Who would seek to go into another nation to learn their language, to give their lives to these people and and to speak of Jesus in often hostile environment? Impossible. Well, this leads to the last point, Jesus' kingdom power. Instead of sending off his disciples immediately, what does Jesus do? He tells them to wait. He says, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Why does he say this? He knows, Jesus knows, he knows us. He knows that we can't do this work, this Mission, he's called, he, we can't do it by our own power. We can't do it by our own strength. We can't do it by our own wisdom. We can by his. We need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the very spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ. What happens when the spirit comes upon us? Not only does the spirit convict us of our sins, not only does the spirit remind us of these gospel truths and our identity as the children of God, but the Spirit actually changes us. The Spirit actually makes us more like Jesus. Young mother was watching her two boys when they began fighting over a toy. As a good mother, she told them, boys, stop fighting. You need to share. What would Jesus do? The older brother looked at his younger brother and said, okay, it's your turn to be Jesus. Give me the toy. You see, a mother's chiding doesn't actually change us, does it? The Spirit of Jesus does. The Spirit enables us to love even our enemies. The Spirit enables us to be willing to suffer for others. They would come to know Jesus. In fact, when the Apostle Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit, what does he say? Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, what are they? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you have these coming out of you, don't you think that will give you power to your witness? And so as we think about this impossible mission, we're reminded it's not our power, it's not our abilities, it's not our wisdom by which... This task is a, but it's Jesus. 
It's his spirit in us. It's his spirit empowering us, emboldening us, equipping us to engage and support this kingdom mission. Believing this should give us incredible freedom. Freedom to cast away this American dream and to pursue this kingdom mission with all the tenacity and ambition that God has endowed you with. Freedom to risk, freedom to dream. Freedom to pursue his call. So can I ask you, what are your dreams for your future? Jesus, he wants more for us than simply living a comfortable life. It's not why he saved us. He presents to us this picture of the kingdom of God and he he invites us to live in it and to seek the expansion of its borders, filling the world. A kingdom of peace, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of justice kingdom where the king is good and trustworthy and ultimately a kingdom there'll be no more war no more tears no more suffering no more sickness no more pain no more death what are your dreams for your life nice house good family great job Can you imagine the house that Jesus is preparing for us even now in the kingdom? Can you imagine what our resurrected, glorified family will be like in the kingdom ultimately? What better job could there be than telling other people about this great savior that we have with the promise of his indwelling spirit? If there was ever a time to be involved in global missions, beloved, it is now. Our world is so broken, so broken. And if we are not called to go, beloved, then we are called to give and sacrifice just as much as those who are called to go. Through our prayers, through our encouragement, through our sacrificial, generous giving, all of Jesus' followers, all of us, are called to participate in this kingdom mission, whether locally or globally. So let me end with this benediction comes from India. It goes like this. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father be with you, disturb you and trouble you, and set before you an impossible task and dare you to do it until in your desperation you fall on your knees and remain there until he fills you with his power. And then, but only then, may the Lord grant you his peace. Father, we turn to you now, and we just rejoice in this life you've given us. Thank you for the salvation that is deep and rich and beautiful through your son, Jesus. Help us, help this expression of your body, Christ Central, Southern California, help this expression of your body answer the call to your mission as they seek your vision, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray through Jesus, our Lord, amen.